All right, it is September 7th, 2023. Uh, Steve Scott requested prayer for some folks he knows, Shelly and Rodney and a young fellow named Jordan. Um, I think they're in Texas getting medical treatments, husband and wife both. Uh, Brenda King lost a really close friend. Uh, her heart's hurting, and I want to lift her up. Comfort of the Lord. Marcos for his son, salvation. Our children and our grandchildren. John and Ruby, Vassie and Linda. We just keep them on here. They pray and uh, we join in prayer with others. Uh, Bella to prevail in victory. She had had an addiction problem. Marta and Charles, Sebrin. A young man named Cameron. Osman and his church in Gambia. Bob for Mike to have peace in his life concerning his sister. Prayer for Kay for healing. Pray for unsaved family members. And for the people in Europe and our so-called government leaders. James, John, Jarrett, Christian, and grandchildren. Eric, Rex, Ted, John, Hawaii, the fire victims, persecuted Christians, all veterans, and people in something, Hawaii, Hawaii. <coughs> Ray, for his lost family members, and all children being trafficked, yeah, killed. Yeah. Protection for Donald Trump. Let's uh, join hands. And Heavenly Father God, we thank you for this time that we could come together in prayer. We pray, Lord, knowing you've heard our prayer requests of the people on this list, that your will be done in their lives. We pray where faith is lacking, that these folks would be given faith in abundance to believe. We have a place in your word, Lord, where a man said, Lord, I believe, help me my unbelief. Pray, God, you help all of us in our unbelief and that we stand firm on your word and the expectation of the fulfillment of all that you have written in our own lives and in the world and in the age to come. In Jesus' name, amen. He told how it was done, who's doing it, and the places that they go from the Mexican border, they just have the fifth. Can you switch that off now, Valentina? You know how to do it? Just off right? right in the middle of the thing, the display. There you I go. Short for that. They, they'd have a, a trip to Florida, Thank LA, you. Memphis, and DC. Yeah. Well, it's going on, and uh, Satan has been doing this for a long time, but uh, the light of exposure is on a lot of it. Um, and tonight on the prayer list, you know, we're praying for the victims of what took place in uh, Lahaina, mostly in Maui, and there's another small town that was destroyed. Um, and... <clears throat> Of course, they would like you to believe that this was just wildfires. And um, that seemed, okay, I was going along with that at first. Oh, did you, Ray, look at that that video of what they're doing in China? Yeah, well, they can't even figure out what is actually burning. Glass, the exterior glass of these high-rise buildings. Did I show you that (laughs) one? Just a stripe. It starts at the bottom, and it runs a streak all the way to the top. And then they put the fire out and it comes right back. Have you what? seen where the, talking about them painting the roofs blue? Yeah. yeah. Does You're that mean don't hit this house? Well, there was all these burnt trees and there was like three or four blue umbrellas in the middle of it that wasn't burnt. In one yeah. picture. Mm-hmm. In the car, well, it's something that like rejects chemicals. Well, it's not. Stuff. It reflects the laser. That might be. Uh, you know, who knows? But, uh, <laughs> I know that um, 
there is some, they call it a direct energy weapon. Uh, we're getting very, very, very close to the taking away and taking up of the church, I believe. The, you know, at first, okay, maybe it's a wildfire. But then, how come these boats, hundreds of yards off of the coast, are also on fire? Individually, they're just sitting out there on fire. Strange. There's pictures of fence posts where the top of the post was just burnt and charred black and from about the top to eight or ten inches down and then from there to the ground, nothing. Wasn't wasn't touched. The real thing, the the aluminum and the glass. Um, Aluminum being burnt and melted to the extent that it ran down the, the street in streams. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the naysayers come and say, oh, firemen have known for years that the uh, uh, car fire will cause aluminum to melt because aluminum melts at like 1,220, 40 degrees, something like that. And they say some car fires can get up to 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit. Fair enough. I looked at some older car fires and images um, I say older, I mean back before all this happened with them in Hawaii. And occasionally you would see a partial aluminum rim melted and just kind of in a little puddle at the bottom of the rim, not running down the street. Mm-hmm. And the other thing you saw was when it was on asphalt, the um, asphalt was, uh, you know, of course, asphalt melts at 300 and some degrees, 360, 70 degrees. And um, I used to haul that. They'd have to put it on a truck at that temperature, and you tarp the load, cover it up to try to hold the heat in enough so that it'll still dump into the spreader when you get to the to the paving job. But um, um, places where the cars were totally destroyed, sitting on asphalt that was unharmed. Yeah. Figure that one out. And so after they got done telling everybody that aluminum does melt in. Uh, car fires and y'all just need to get your tenfold hats back on and go back home we started seeing window glass windshields side glasses melted dripping like cake icing and then it would cool it cool and there it is it's just now it takes a kiln to do that um, glass melts at about 2800 degrees fahrenheit so um you know, they used what is likely that direct energy weapon on that portion of Maui where they they want to set up what they call a 15-minute city. Um, like a smart city? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, you have, you can get anywhere you need to go, grocery store, doctor, hardware store, fun park, uh, the swimming pool, whatever. 15 minutes is as far as you are away. Walking. You can do it walking. It's all piled on top of itself. They spoke of doing one of those in um, Lahaina, Maui in um, January. Mm-hmm. Brought it up. Yeah, the China, it, there's... Yeah, I didn't know that. but I, And I don't know. I don't think China was burning their own buildings. Mm-mm. I would I would like to think that they did because if they didn't that means that's us probably. And you think they're gonna sit there and just take that standing up? No. There's other places that have been burnt too that they they've they been doing it a planners. good while. They've been doing it in the, those California wildfires. Yep. Yep. You know, because they, they had a and, and, and the way you can tell that this is what has done the fire. Uh, a natural fire, you know, like well kind of taper out into the open country and get less and less and you see it got finally where it goes out. But these things, you'll have a house standing next to a house not 15 feet away in a complete pile of ash and the one 15 feet away is not even touched. And the one across from it is burnt down too. And whoever went through there controlling this weapon was kind of wanting to show people, look what we've got. You see those two cars over there? Those two cars, watch what happens. Boop, boop. And, and they're just gone. Engine blocks. The enti- that one, they lifted the hood on it. The engine block and intake was just a pile of powdery-looking aluminum. 
That doesn't happen in a car fire. It doesn't. You know, jet engines have a lot of aluminum parts in them, right? They'd melt right off of the plane or melt the fuselage if you were... I know they get very hot, but... No, this is... They want you to see what they have. Who is they? Satan's operatives. Let's just call it what it is. Those who serve Satan. Those in positions such as Klaus Buttschwab, as we call him, and George Soros, and, and uh, that King Charles character in England. He's one of them. He may be the head of them. Many people think he's the Antichrist. Some people are making a reasonable case. I'm not saying that. But uh, his coat of arms, King Charles of England, the coat of arms, looks like they went straight to Revelation 13 for their inspiration. It's all on there of this beast. So is it him. It's possible. But uh, we hide ourselves in Christ. You have to have the shield of the Lord God who made you to withstand this stuff. People are like, well, I got me a bug out shelter. I'm going to go underground. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I got all the food and ammo and everything I need. Now, I'm not saying don't prepare. You should prepare. But um, unless God is defending you and upholding you, even by his angels, you're fair game for these people. You got fallen angels working against you. The demon network. Now the fallen angels did not all get imprisoned. They're still out there. Demons are not angels. Fallen angels aren't demons. They're not. They're totally different. The um, book of Enoch, I know it's not in the Bible, but it is quoted in the book of Jude. It was found with the Dead Sea Scrolls. Enoch tells us that the giants killed in the flood, the Nephilim, they were called, this is Genesis 6, they were half human, half fallen angel. It said these fallen angels found human women beautiful. And they wanted wanted to have children by them. And so they did. And then these things come up. These things start growing up. Oh, they can do some pretty cool stuff like build the pyramids, build them Easter Island statues, which only the heads above the ground, they're all the way... They have dug down and found that these, those are mostly underground. It's so long ago that they were put there. This, those stone balls in Costa Rica, they can't figure out how they's ever made. They just probably playing a game of marbles. Hey, let's make some ball. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That, that's who roamed the earth. But when the flood came, they died. But there's no life without a soul. You're going to see in, um, you know, in the, the book of Job... Uh, it tells you in chapter 12, refers to the, the soul of every living thing. <clears throat> now, I may, I don't, may not be putting my finger right on this verse. Does that include plants, trees? I would have to think so. The soul is something that is, it, nothing can live without that. Verse 7 of Job 12, But ask now the beasts... And they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee, or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee, who knoweth not, and all these, that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this. He's created all this life. In whose hand is the soul of every living thing, and the breath of all mankind. So these... uh, Souls of those Nephilim, those giants, um, they are on the earth. According, is it hot in here again, or is it just yes. me? Can, can I bother you once again? I won't bother you again. I think I'm just gonna leave it on because it's just too hot in there. Okay. You think I will bother you again? Yes, yeah, okay. I like to be bothered. That's <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I mean, when beads of sweat pop out of my forehead, I figure probably people are getting hot. <laughs> All right. We do thank the Lord for Mr. Carrier. Mr. Carrier invented air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs>
finally have some. Oh After yeah. Six years. That's great. Good deal. <laughs> so anyway, um, those demons are out there. They're assisting the fallen angels. These are all being, you know, manipulated by Satan himself. And so many people, see, they're inhabited by demons. Bill Gates is full of demons. And, you know, people like him. Totally full. Demons can inhabit in multiple numbers. We see from Scripture, right? The Legion demon. Now, you've got people that call themselves Christians, and this is actually what we're going to talk about tonight. You got people that call themselves Christians, but they don't believe there's any demons. They call themselves Christians, but they really don't know about prophecy or anything like that. That's probably not really going to happen. They call themselves Christians and believe the Bible has mistakes in it. They call themselves Christians and do not look for the return of the Lord. I've heard. Uh, very unfortunately, a man who called himself, calls himself a Christian referred to something refer some saying, if there is a God. So how are you saying you're a Christian and then you turn around and say, if there is a God? Very strange. You're simply not a Christian. You're not, a, you're not saved. You're not a believer. So there's a lot of wickedness going on in the world and we've got to hide ourselves in Christ. More will come, no doubt. If we did that to those buildings in China and it was all done, they had four massive fires break out in four separate big Chinese cities the same day. The same day. And you know that's not a coincidence. You think these are spaced based that's a good question it is a good question i don't know if they can harness enough power to go that far and still have the energy to do it do you think that's humankind capable doing it you think that's an outside entity that's another good question i think yes these fallen angels um they well they're your aliens and these weird aircraft these strange aircraft now, I know those flying pyramids. I saw them. I saw them two different occasions. Uh, 19, 18, uh, see, 1989 and again about 95. They don't make any noise. They just go right across your head. Um, sometimes they'll have lights on them. They can, black, they can black out. You know, I'm not insane. And I saw... After seeing this, later on I saw, like on Unsolved Mysteries, they were talking about, well, it was Withville, but with County was on Robert Stack's Unsolved Mysteries about these UFOs. Everybody was seeing it. Danny Gordon was making a, a um, he did a book called Don't Look Up, but then he had a lot of material, photographs and stuff that had been shared with him, and the little man in black come ransacked his place and took everything. And that's what he said. We must hide ourselves in Christ because more things will come. I don't personally believe that nuclear war is going to come until the tribulation in Armageddon. Because I think that's what the restrainer of Second Thessalonians 2, he's holding that back. He's holding back nuclear war. And Putin could push every correct code he wanted to to launch a missile, but if the restrainer doesn't allow it, it won't happen. And the same with our country. We've got handlers of our United States administration who are a thousand times more evil than Vladimir Putin ever thought about being. Because you know what he's doing? He's saying, you're not doing this transgender stuff in Russia. You're not teaching the Russian school children that they can switch sexes. You're not teaching this garbage. And we'll put you in prison if we catch you teaching it. 
That's what he's doing. They they don't um, encourage abortion. There's a lot of things that are far more godly about Putin. Not to say he's a saint, but when compared to what's going on in our country, we're far worse. Isaiah chapter 29. It's called the blindness and hypocrisy of Israel in this translation I have here. This is a KJV. Verse 9 says, Stay yourselves and wonder. Cry ye out and cry. They are drunken, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep, and hath closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, hath he covered. And the vision of all has become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed. And the book is delivered to him that is not learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he say, I am not learned. Can't read it. Verse 13, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. We're going to switch the entire... uh, globe over to electric cars because we don't like this uh, fossil fuel pollution we're going to switch it they're godless people go to the psalms psalm 2 we have become altogether godless And God said to, He's going to do it to Israel, He's doing it to us. You know, you're drunk but not with wine. You're drunk but not with whiskey. You're drunk because I put you into a deep sleep and you can't see what's going on. What about this stupid vaccine thing? If you don't take your vaccine, then mine won't work. You better wear a mask because my mask protects you and your mask protects me. Bull. Nonsense. How could someone literally believe that unless God had stricken them with derision? Psalm 2, verse 1. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, and that's capitalized, and that's Jesus Christ, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. We don't want religion. We don't want the church telling us that we can't teach homosexuality and transgenderism in the schools. We don't want God. We don't want the cross of Christ. Let us break their bands, verse 2 again, asunder and cast away their cords from us. Verse 4, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Aren't they in derision now? Are they not in derision? There's a bunch of people believing this new COVID variant is just the real thing. <laughs> that you know, we have always gotten colds. We have always gotten cases of the flu. Uh, you know, a coronavirus is a cold, and and it, you know your immune system will handle it. You don't go get some shot that they cooked up in nothing flat. Well, they had it ready. They made, they made tens of hundreds of billions of dollars with that worthless vaccine. And some of the doses were so bad that people didn't even survive it. 
Yeah. And I got, I got. The only good thing to say about COVID is it cured no flu. That's right. Yeah, there's no right. flu because every case of the flu, they call that COVID. You go in with the snivels, they call it COVID. Remember, they told you that you could be asymptomatic and be carrying COVID. You better come in and get tested. You know, I, I spoke to a lady today. Her husband uh, has a YouTube channel. He worked at ABB uh, in Bland. Uh, I don't guess he'd mind me mentioning his name's uh, uh, Stacy Perkins. He's got a YouTube channel. You know what it is? Yeah. He went in there about the eighth or ninth day. They wanted to COVID test him and take his temperature. He just threw his hands up and said, "No, I'm done with this. I'm not going to do it. I quit." And he quit. So that was uh, appreciated, you know. While you're on plan, have you heard anything about Bill? Bill Crisp? He's on. Yeah, he he had a little accident with the car, but uh, he's he's been on Facebook wide open, so I guess he's all right. He's rolling, getting around pretty good. Billy Crabtree, he's our agriculture teacher, and um, dude was strong as an ox. I mean, just strong as an ox. And we. Okay, we'll tell him he's doing doing all right. So, in the ag shop and the wood shop, they the bathrooms you had to go up about three or four steps. Was you like, was it like that when you was there? Does anybody want more oh, coffee? I can make more coffee. No, I'm, good. I'm fine. Okay. And uh, let's see, it was Kim Wright, Third Newberry. <laughs> And uh, another one of them Hollybrook boys. Somebody said, who went in the bathroom? I said, I believe that was Arthur Bartles. And they was always picking on Arthur. So they ran and grabbed a tube of tin and took it over and jammed it against the base of the bathroom door and wedged it in there against one of the concrete booths where you weld it, go in and weld it fit in there. So when he goes to come out of that door, he's pushing, pushing, pushing. It won't come open. So here's... Theron and them sitting there laughing. <laughs> Can't get out, can you, Arthur? And Arthur walked up behind him. Wait a minute. If that's <laughs> Arthur, who's in there? And about that time, that door went halfway across the egg shop. <laughs> Crabtree kicked that thing off the hinges. And you talk about some white faces. Them boys about panicked because he had rage in his eyes. <laughs> I'd like to see that. Oh, it was great. Bill Crabtree, wonderful, wonderful man. <laughs> so anyway, these uh, Israelites here were being hypocrites. They're, God's saying, you draw near me with your mouth, you say the right things, you know, and you honor me with your lips. It says, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. They don't fear God. That creates a problem. They do not get God's help in a time of need. He goes on to tell them this. Verse 15 of Isaiah 29, Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord. And their works are in the dark. And they say, Who seeth us and who knoweth us? That's one of the biggest affronts that you can commit toward the Lord is to go to a location or to even think a thought. So I'm going to sit here and enjoy my sin where God can't see me. I'm going to sit here and think these things where God won't know my thoughts. He knows your heart better than you do. Let's move now to the New Testament to 2 Timothy 3. I think it's really important to know and it's just to be able to look around and don't just take somebody at face value. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Because you're going to know it. Spend a little time with them. You're going to know it. Let's say I was a fisherman. Yeah, I like to fish. And I don't know what red-blooded, heterosexual American male doesn't want to fish and like to fish. Everybody likes to fish. But if I told you I was a fisherman, and you said, well, that's, a, that's, that's good, me too. You know, where'd you go last? Well, I just went over to the lake, you know, or going down on the creek. 
And you asked me where I went. I said, well, that's not that far, you know. What'd you catch? I don't know. Couple little fish, I don't know. What were you using for bait? One little, one little rubber bug crawler, you know. <laughs> you're not a fisherman. Chase is more of a fisherman. Yeah, if you're a fisherman, you're gonna say exactly where you went on that lake and exactly the part of the lake you went to and exactly the kind of fish you were after and you're gonna tell them about your new pole that you've got and these lures that you've tried and what worked and what didn't work and how big the fish you caught was even though it's probably only half that big, you're, that's the fisherman. If you're a Christian, you're going to talk to talk. So when I, you know, if I strike up a conversation about the Word of God with someone who claims to be a Christian, and they can't seem to change the subject fast enough, I'm dealing with a false convert. I'm dealing with false brethren. They're not. They're not a Christian. I think they're just claiming it like they're touching base. You know. There's base. You know, I'm going to keep at least my pinky finger on base in case something does happen, in case there really is a God. That's not a Christian. 2 Timothy chapter 3. To begin, he says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent. That's a funny word. It's a King James word. It just means you can't contain yourself. You're going to do what you wanted to do. This day and age, it means you messed yourself. Fierce, despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away, don't have fellowship with them. Pleasures, you know, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Well, I, I, I'm going to skip Bible study tonight because I'm going to go over and watch that basketball game. Now, that don't mean you're going to hell, but if you do that all the time, and you, shun, you you forsake the fellowship. That's that's a that's a warning sign that you're spiritually drifting from where you ought to be. There's nothing special or sacred about this little study. Go to others that you might find you enjoy better. But if so, but there there needs to be your primary focus, especially at this point in world history. Your primary daily, hourly, minute-by-minute focus needs to be on on the Lord and His return. And you're thinking about Him. And you're talking to others about Him. And you know pretty quickly when you've run into the real article. You know when you've run into a true fisher of men. Because he or she will have that They'll have that lingo. They'll have that spirit about them. They'll they'll say certain things, certain turns of phrase. A lot of times you're talking to somebody you ain't barely met them, and you say something spiritually based, spiritually based on truth of the Word of God here in the Bible. You say something spiritually based, and they go, Amen. And if they go, Amen, you probably found a brother or a sister. Right now, do they believe in the eschatology just like you do? Do they believe in a rapture? They may have been taught in a church that doesn't believe in a rapture, that never focused on that. To me, that's a shame, but doesn't mean they're not saved. Doesn't mean they're not looking for the Lord to return. I do like to ask people that have no eschatological bent. You know, what does the return of God look like? And sometimes that stuns them a little bit and they don't really know what to say. Well, you know, he's just going to come back and carry us all off to heaven. Is that what it says? That's really not what it says. There's an earthly kingdom coming here if you're going to believe the Bible in its literal truth for a thousand years. And at the end of that thousand years, the New Jerusalem, where does it go? It comes down here on this earth. This is a world without end, according to Scripture, uh, Song of Solomon, or I mean, uh, 
Ecclesiastes. A world without end. And it doesn't end. So, if you were out on the battlefield and you knew that the enemy was coming at you, you're going to start mustering up some help. You're going to get some people around you that you can help them and they can help you. <clears throat> and um, you know, here comes a fellow down the trail of AR-15, about 40 loaded magazines. And Hey, hey, you know what we got going on here? He said, no, I hadn't heard. Well, they're coming over that hill. They want to take us prisoner. They want to take our children, send them to Epstein's Island. They want to kill us. kind of AR you got there? kind of what? That little rifle there. That little black rifle. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, people seem to be buying these down at the store, and I thought I'd just give me some. You know how to run that thing? Well, I haven't gotten around to that yet. <laughs> Do you want him on your team? No, you don't. You might chain him to a tree and take his gun and his ammo. <laughs> But uh, you, uh, you don't want a prayer circle that is corrupted with unbelief. Jesus would take Peter and James and John into some difficult situations because unbelief has a counteracting effect on prayer. It does. There's a place or two in Scripture that says Jesus didn't do many miracles. There's one place that says He couldn't because of their unbelief. Now he won't override your free will. If you believe if unbelief is belief, it's just believing it won't happen. Well let's pray for healing for this certain person. Let's pray that they get well. And you got somebody in your midst. Well they're praying with you and they're nodding and going along and amen and everything, but in their heart they don't believe that God's going to do this. Having a form of godliness 2 Timothy 3, verse 5, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. What does it look like to have this form of godliness? Well, I go to church all the time. You know, I'm, I'm in the cupcake ministry. I'm the chief frosting agent in the cupcake ministry. And, and, and you don't want to know how many shoeboxes we put together to send to African kids last year? You know, God's going to like me for all that. He might if you did it with your heart in the right place. But if you did it for personal glory, it's worth nothing. A form of godliness. But denying the power thereof. Denying the power of what? Denying the power of godliness. What power is godliness? What power is being spoken of? Here's the power of prayer, the power of believing prayer to move the hand of God, which is extremely powerful. Elijah made it not rain for three years. But the Scripture says he was just a man like any other man. Nothing special about Elijah, necessarily. He was just a guy. And he had his struggles. He got very depressed to the point of wanting to die. To the point of saying, God, just take me. I'm done. But God wasn't done with him yet. God was not finished with him. Being upset, overwhelmed, feeling like you just we got thunder coming. Hope we get some rain. We need it. I always think of that as the voice of God because when in Scripture they talk about the Lord speaking like to uh, Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus, a lot of people say, well, just sound like thunder sounded like thunder, but Saul heard the voice of the Lord. Denying the power of godliness. The power of godliness is in the relationship, the true cultivated and kept relationship that you have with Christ. I've given this example before. I'll sell you a lawnmower come by to pick it up. I said, I want it 
I think that's a fair deal. Okay, I'll take it. And I know you, and you know me, and we've been buddies or whatever for ages, and you hand me some folding money. What I will do is just stick it in my pocket. It's an insult if I open that stack and count it, isn't it? It's an insult that, oh, you might be trying to short me. And I've heard people go, well, you know, I just want to make sure you didn't accidentally give me too much. That's not what you want to make sure of. You want to make sure I didn't give you not enough. Do we do that with God? If God says, here's a blessing. You asked, you stood on my word, and I think I have found that my prayer life has been way, way better when I put Scripture into it. Lord, you said this. You said that. It looks like Forrest has met the woman he's going to marry. They're already talking about marrying in January. How fast did that happen? Just like that. But I, I saw his downcast countenance over talking to different women and it just was dead end after dead end. And he says, nobody out there. There's not anybody out there. And I said, Forrest, there's young ladies out there saying exactly that too, that there's no good man out there. But I thought, how hard have I prayed about this? I I would pray the prayer that you throw it up against the wall, see if it sticks kind of prayer. But I was in bed, I couldn't sleep, and I just, I said, Lord, you, you said that it's not good for man to be alone. So I have to believe that you don't want my son to be alone. Can I draw that conclusion? Lord, yes, I think I could draw that conclusion. Now, what if our days were not but a couple of weeks and the rapture of the church comes or whatever the way you wind things up for our family goes, even if it was for less than a week, I would still like him to have someone. Because you said it's not good that man should be alone. And you said that you would send a helpmate to the man. And I'm asking you, Lord, if you would just please. And that's one of those prayers that I felt was heard and acknowledged by God Himself. You just get this feeling. I've been praying for someone to be healed before. And you get a feeling. Now, can you undo a blessing? Yeah, you can. You can undo it right quick. How? By taking that money out and counting it and seeing if this is right. Let me see what might really happen. God might do this. I'm not sure God's going to do this. I'm not sure God's even listening. That'll get you nowhere fast. At the time, he was corresponding with a gal up in Michigan. I knew it wasn't the right one. He did not know that yet. And he came in one night after talking to her on the phone and shaking his head. He said, I just cut it off. I, I ended it. I said, wow. This is like a night or two after my prayer. And I said, why? He said, to be honest, I don't know why. There was nothing wrong. I don't know why. I just did it. And that really made me know that he was following the Lord's voice. A couple days later, the one that he's spent the last weekend here with, um, she was in his life. And um, that's because of prayer. And, you know, God says my people perish for lack of knowledge. Uh, The way to pray, that is knowledge. It's wisdom and it's knowledge too. How you pray. First, you have to pray believing. Do I believe that God will protect our family from these enemies that are destroying our country and trying as hard as they can to start World War III? I believe that He will. That shield of belief is better than an iron dome. That's what Israel calls their missile defense. That shield of belief will take care of us. 
must remain in faith. Yet you don't take God's favor for granted. You constantly stay prayed up. And again, you constantly believe. Titus chapter 1 verse 15 this is an interesting verse unto the pure all things are pure but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure but even their mind and conscience is defiled I've seen believers who they almost see no evil in many respects and that's childlike and that's what God calls on us to have childlike faith but we're to be wise as serpents gentle as doves the people that are defiled evil and unbelieving people everything looks evil everything looks bad their conscience conscience is defiled verse 16 says they profess that they know God but in works they deny him being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. They're doing nothing. They're doing no good. They're doing more harm than good. They're setting a bad example. There are so many people that hate Christianity, that hate the churches. They hate the Word of God because they were raised up under this oppressive godless teaching in some local church. Dr. Charles Stanley said he was raised up to be afraid of his own shadow in that church. The minister was preaching hellfire and brimstone continually. And you have a sip of wine, you're going to hell. Or you look over twice at that girl, you're going to hell. And the ministers that teach that They're the ones doing it. They're the ones doing all that stuff. I guess they think that if they get up and rage against it, God will scratch it all off of their record, even though they do that. But people leave. They say, I don't want Christianity. I I really hope that this God they're telling me about is not real. I hope that He's not this Jekyll and Hyde kind of character. You know, uh, Dr. Jekyll turns into this, he's this monster. You couldn't ever get it right with a God like that, could you? Now, he's not going to look away from sin. And it must be atoned for. That's why he sent Christ, to atone for your sin. So that you don't have to. You couldn't if you wanted to. You couldn't do it if you wanted to. But who are these? They profess they know God, but in their works they deny Him. How, what is their prayer life like? And I've said this before and it's controversial, but I will say it again. If you believe God has healed a condition that you had. If you believe He's healed you, whatever it is, are you going to go check up on Him? You're going to go check God's work. Why? Well, you know, just to see. I'm giving more praise. I'm giving more praise when I go see if it really is gone. What do you mean, go see if it really is gone? Doubt. That's what you're telling me. You don't know for sure. That's doubt. And there went your blessing, right out with the baby in the bathwater. That is the power of God that people deny. Having a form of godliness, but denying His power to make something change and to know that it did change. The abundant life. Go to John chapter 10. What is this abundant life? That's what He wants for us. 
I'm going to go to... Uh, I just love this chapter. Let's just read it from verse 1. Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. You go through the door, that's Jesus Christ, and you go into the church. You didn't go through the door. You put a ladder up against the balcony railing and went in that way. Didn't go in through Christ, but there you are, sitting in the choir, singing your little heart out without Jesus in your heart. You climb in some other ways. You're a thief and a robber. You shouldn't even be there. Verse 2, But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. A true believer, a Holy Spirit-filled believer, will know the voice of a false teacher just like that. You just know in your spirit, something's not right about this dude. Verse 6, This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which He spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd whose own sheep are not seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep, and I'm known of mine. I'll stop there. This pastor search committee, the church that I attended some years ago, well, we're going to go around and interview some pastors, find us a new pastor. And I told that chief deacon, I said, uh, here's how you know who to scratch off the list. The moment he says, how much does this job pay? Then you know what he is. He is a hireling. Well, I've spent all this time in the seminary and I've got my degree. I need to be rewarded. He's a hireling. If he asks, you know, if he were truly following the will of God, he wouldn't ask. He would say, this is where you want me, Lord, if I have to sell everything I got and, and live in the basement at the church. Okay. Don't ask. If you do, you're a hireling. Too many hirelings out there. Too many people denying the power of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And we can all do that. We can all deny that power. It was yesterday morning before we went to work. Forrest got up with a head cold. He was sick. Felt bad. I thought, well, you know, he's, he's got to work today and then he's got to go to the log house to work tonight. And he can't do this feeling so bad. So his mom and I, she anointed him with oil and we prayed. And I said, don't you doubt this. If you doubt this, you're going you're gonna to pick this right back up. So we left. Before we got to Bland, his voice had already gone back to normal. went ahead and took care of our class two different guys 
Everything was fine. Everything wasn't a problem. We're coming off the hill, and I said, uh, doesn't sound like you got a cold anymore. And he's like, oh, well, um, I don't know. I've got this feeling kind of like you're almost getting a cold. That's what it feels like. And I said, it's because you're almost not having it then. It's coming away from you. You're coming out of it. I don't know. Well, yeah, maybe. And I said, don't say maybe. You want a cold? If you want a cold, say maybe one more time. He doesn't have a cold. It's gone. And that stuff been going around everywhere. And they say will come in. Well, you know, it's usually done in about 36 hours. Oh, thank you for coming in there and stomping all over Scripture and the prayers of, of the saints. Thank you for that. A cold bucket of water in the face from a, probably an unbeliever. We can't live like that in this day and age that we're in. We can't. And we can all be used from time to time by the devil himself. Jesus was a carpenter when he roamed the earth in a bodily form, in human bodily form. And some people lament uh, not getting used very often by the Lord. Well, I want God to use me. Jesus is a carpenter. I want to either be the hammer or the square or the saw. That's what I want to be. Because the carpenter is always going for those tools. And he's got some other tools. I, I thought of the analogy, what if you're a, a nail set? You know, just this little punch to drive that finishing nail just below the surface so that you might put some wood dough over it and hide it or just to keep it from being above the surface of the wood. It doesn't come out very often. But when the carpenter needs that nail set, and if that's what you are, in that moment, nothing can do that job but you. You might have a lowly position in that tool belt, but he's not carrying you around for no reason. He will use you. He will need you. Careful, though, that Satan doesn't pick you up and use you for his furtherance. Stay close to the Lord. Don't jump out of that tool belt. We're coming upon an hour. Uh, let us have the abundant life. He wants us to have the abundant life. And don't tell, don't let anybody tell you that. Oh no, you need tribulation. You, yeah, you're going to get that, but God will get you past it. He'll get you through it. Losing someone you love is very difficult. It's not something that you live through. It's something that you live in. But you know that ultimately you will live through it because when you're reconciled in, in the age to come, you know that, that will make that reunion even more glorious than had you not lost that person and missed them so much in this life. If they make it to that reunion in the instance that you do, you never miss them at all. When you miss them, and your heart yearns for them, it's all the more wonderful when the Lord reunites. But the real prize is Christ. He's the one we want to see. He's the one that has made it all possible. Jerry. Lord, when we think about the times we're in, we know we need to be more mindful of what your promises do not leave us or forsake us. We call upon you and that promise and we thank you that uh, we have you even though times are looking bad. We know that we can trust in you and you will provide according to your goodness and mercy. Lord, we thank you for your word that we can look into your word and see that uh, how you've worked in the past and how you're going to work. Lord, 
pray that you would increase our faith through your word. Lord, we thank you for this home, for Daniel and Chris making the wonderful Bible study meal, two meals. Thank you for your word. May it uh, keep our hearts in Jesus Christ. In his name we ask. Amen. Amen.